Welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever and whenever you're listening to this, this is From Checkered to Green, the podcast, all about racing as told by three lifelong racing fans, and from time to time, talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode 14, part two. I'm David Moy, alongside are my colleagues, Elliot Tardiff and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome back. Good to be good here. Evening, all. So, oh, <clears throat> oh, sorry. I was going to say good to be back and uh, talking part two and uh, doing so with uh, a few rain showers outside and um, just a nice, nice quiet evening to, uh, to get it done. Yeah, it uh, looks like we might be on the verge of some rain showers here. Uh, according to my weather gauge, it's about 57 degrees, I believe. Yep, 57, according Rock to on. the back deck. Ryan, how are you? Uh, well, out here, it's uh, even 60 degrees right now. Pretty clear at the moment. There's some um, light precipitation moving in in the early a.m., but not really a concern at the moment. A few moments ago, I kind of had to close my window. Otherwise, while we were recording this, you'd get to listen to the dulcet tunes of a bunch of raccoons beating the crap out of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I got my window open, but, you know, I the the only thing I probably would hear is maybe a couple uh, skunks going through my yard, but, yeah, but otherwise, yeah. Oh, you don't go out and poke them with a stick, you'll be fine. It's springtime now. Hey, we'll take it. Truth. <laughs> so we got we got a good episode on tap here, and let's kick off the checkered segment. You know, uh, in our in our um, first part, we talked about the three weeks of NASCAR action. We actually had some other action. Two series kicking out, kicking off their season. IMSA rolling back in. NHRA started their season, and we also have the we also kick off uh, Formula One. Let's start, gentlemen, with some straight line drag racing, and let's talk about the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals that was held March 11th through the 14th. Your winners. Josh Hart, the first-time winner in top field, that was a great run. He he did very well. Congrats to him. J.R. Todd took flying car. Greg Anderson, pro stock. Matt Smith, pro stock motorcycle. They uh, Rachel Meyer was your top alcohol dragster. Top alcohol flying car went to Shane Biel, um, Belmere. Competition eliminator was Greg Camplin. Superstock was Sterling Simmons. Stock eliminator, Jimmy Hildago. Super comp was Ray Miller. Super gas, Johnson Anderson. Brandon Miller took your top sportsman. Top dragster went to Jeff Strickland. Pro mod was Jose Gonzalez. Top field Harley was Randall Andreas. 
and Factory Stock Showdown was Aaron Stanfield. Gentlemen, it was great racing. It was a good event to kick off the NHR season. I, I, it was, it was really good. Uh, it was nice to see it live on, on, um, actually Fox, um, before the NASCAR race that day. Um, gentlemen, your thoughts. Um, well, um, I'll confess I didn't get a chance to, uh, to see this uh, particular event, but, uh, just looking at the numbers, um, top fuel dragster, um, you know, low RT of the, of the match, um, you know, the entire race weekend, um, Josh Hart, and it came in the final event, um, you know, or the, um, in, in the final race. Um, so yeah, you put that together with a, um, a solid race, a 323, uh, top speed, uh, that'll get it done most times. And it, it, uh, it got it done here. Definitely. Ryan, your thoughts. It was a great, great event, beginning to end. Some of the better drag racing I've seen in quite some time. Did the heart good. And as you guys said, Josh Hart, he he put the exclamation point on that final run. That was as good a run as you have any right to ask for in NHRA. And, and he beat Sean Langdon, which was mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, that's a his. major, major feather in his cap. That's for, making a statement in the NHRA. For for his first time out, um, it, it was really good. I know the funny car final, I think, turned into a pedal fest almost. Um, it it was really good and a great way to kick off the 70th season. A, a scary moment. Uh, Ryan, did you see that um, during the broadcast, the uh, crash that happened the the night before um i think it was one of the qualifying events i I can't think of what crash but the car that lost control and and turned into the other one um i didn't see it as it happened because i happened to be doing something else at the time but i caught the immediate replay and i'm not gonna lie that stopped my heart for a second i was like please tell me both of them are all right and yeah as soon as I finished that thought, I see both of them walking back like, okay, I'm all right again. Yeah, they, they showed it on, on, on the broadcast on, on, on Sunday, and it, it, it was scary. It, um, but, yeah, they both walked away, and that, I mean, that was the only scary thing. And But, hey, they kicked it off, and John Forrest Racing's back, so... You know, we'll definitely see how the season progresses. But not only that, we also had that same weekend, we had the 12 hours of Sebring. And that was a a really great race. Um, Sebastian Bourdais won it overall winner. The Mustang sampling JDC Miller Motorsports Cadillac DPI took it, um, and and Bourdais I think um, had a um, incident during that race and recovered to win it. The number five um, LMP two went to PR one Matheson Motorsports with Scott Huffker. Ben Keatling and Mikkel Jensen. 
GT Le Mans, WeatherTech Racing, Matt Campbell, Cooper McNeil, and Matthew Jamnet. And then LMP3 was Core All Sport with Colin Braun, Jonathan Bennett, and George Kurtz. Um, uh, Path Motorsports won GTD with Florence Vanthor, Lawrence Kern, and Zachary Robinson. Um, it was uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson's team participated. Um, they finished um, seventh in in their class, but they finished twenty eighth overall. Um, guys, I I didn't get to catch any of this. I saw about the Sebastian Bourdais thing. Um. Did Dave, you catch it, or you guys got any quick thoughts about it? I saw some parts and pieces of it, um, and this was, um, in some ways, it was it was uh, just like the twenty four hours of Daytona, um, where you know for twelve hours of you know really physical, technical racing um, at a difficult racetrack in uh at, at sebring um you still had a lot of cars in contention for class wins across the board um and this was certainly true um in the um uh in for the overall uh where uh you had uh, several cars within a couple of seconds of each other i think within the last couple of hours um the uh, the 48 car the 48 cadillac um, you know, they had a tough weekend. It was, it was up and down and then, um, uh, up and then they finished on a down, unfortunately. Um, so Jimmy Johnson spun early, um, and, but they were able to rally and, um, you know, take advantage of some other cars troubles and, um, ended up finishing third, but then, um, they were found to have broke the rules because uh, IMSA officials ruled they kept uh, Simon Pagenaud behind the wheel for 50 seconds too long, according to NBC Sports. And because of that, that represented a rule violation and um, they were uh, relegated to a last place finish in DPI because of that. So that was, that was a tough deal for them. Um, in uh, some of these other uh, series um, or other classes, there were... Um, uh, it, it turned into a full-fledged boxing match. Um, the kind of thing that we see um, at some the end of some of these NASCAR races at say Road America or Montreal, um, where you had people just running into each other, you know, uh, getting spun out or uh, getting tire rubs and they have to come in and, uh, and pit late. Um, and so um, it was just, um, um, it, was, it was a really almost chaotic, um, you know, last, uh, last stretch of this race. Um, and for those that, uh, that won, uh, they were able to do it, uh, mostly just keeping their, their noses clean and just staying out of trouble. Um, and you know, that's, you know, goes to the old adage in order to finish first, you must first finish. And, uh, that's, that's what a lot of these guys did. And, um, you know, in, um, uh, Bourdais case, um, you know, he had a lot of cars coming for him, uh, you know, trying to take the win and he just flat held them off and, uh, did a good job in so doing. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty exciting race this year. Ryan, uh, any thoughts? 
Unfortunately, not so much because I kind of did miss this one. I did catch the highlights afterwards. So I did get to see a sampling of Sebastian Bourdais, you know, highly skilled fending off driving to hold on to that first place victory. So tip of the hat to him, especially with what other the other drivers were contending with, especially when it turned into a boxing match. So well driven by him. So the, the other event that we had, and this one I actually did get to watch, and it was really good, was the Formula One kicked off their season in Bahrain, in the Gulf Air Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, it was scheduled to be um, 50. Uh, it, it's, it was scheduled to be 57 laps and they were doing the formation lap and Sergio Perez's car all of a sudden stopped working, shut off completely. Um, he, they did get it restarted. They had an onboard cam, even the electrical uh, display on the steering wheel was completely shut off. Um, he, he just suddenly lost power and they, he, they got refired. He started, um, he, he has start from the pits, but what they did, this was coming up to the end of the formation lap was formula one said, we're going to do another formation lap and the race is going to go 56 laps. So they took, they uh, knocked a lap off because of the additional formation lap. But great race. Uh, Verstappen was leading it. It was a back and forth bail between Verstappen and Hamilton. There was an accident on um, lap two when Nikitai Mazepin crashed his, um, his Haas car. Um, the, but for Sampson Star Hamilton, when um, um, for Stampin Pitt, um, what um, ha- um, you know, it was back and forth between them, but Lewis Hamilton wins due to Mercedes doing a awesome job at undercutting on the pit stops with Hamilton, even though Red Bull stayed out longer. Um, and their tight, they could get the tires to last longer. Verstappen was chasing Hamilton, but in turn, um, they warned Verstappen and Hamilton in turn four throughout the race not to cut the corner. And when Verstappen went to pass Hamilton, he went off the track, he gave it back to him and did not have enough time to catch him. Um, but he did wheel real men. It was a great race, good hard-fought bell. Um, so Hamilton wins it, continues his streak uh, of pure dominance. Verstappen second, Baez was third. couple other notes, uh, Sergio Perez actually finished fifth after his issue. Um, Daniel Ricciaro was seventh. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen was 11th. Uh, Vettel was 15th. Alonso back to Formula One had brake issues and Alpine with, with the um, Alpine F1 team and had to retire early. So Gasly and Nicholas Latifi 
but really great racing. Good way to kick off the Formula One season. Gentlemen, quick thoughts on that. Hmm. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen vying it out for first place wins in Formula One races. I could swear we've seen this before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think this is this sets the tone for this year. Um, and um, I'll confess, I didn't get a chance to see this one, but um, when, um, like, I'm looking at the uh, results here on racingreference.info, it was the two of them and the third place car, Valtteri Botas was 37 seconds back so you know these two were clearly in a class of their own this weekend um and if i'm any other team uh i'm i'm going back and and working that calculator a little harder to see where they're getting their speed because it's going to be a very long season if you're not on the hamilton or verstappen teams and, and, and think of this, if you look at, if you look at the, the team standings right now, so Red Bull, so with that win, um, Mercedes finishing first and third has 41 points. And that's because um, Bottas, they, they, and the reason Bottas finished three, 37 seconds back is they pim so he could crank off the fastest lap and get that extra point. So mm. they did that. So Mercedes has 41. And with Red Bull, with Perez finishing fifth, they have 28. So right now, you have a difference of 13 points. Well, guess what? That is... 13 points is can be can be easily made up in a race, but it can be easily a lot of ground can be easily lost. So for Perez not to get those two extra points and it and that Verstappen lost the bonus point, um, you know, by getting into fourth. If you had that, it would have been a ten point difference. But it, it, it's it, it, you, you're right. It's going to be a very interesting year. Great racing. I know they got Italy coming up in a um, coming up um, at Imola. I think it's going to be a really great season. And you've got Mercedes worried because the the 2021 car is benefiting. Red Bull this year mm-hmm. and you from what I've heard I from what I'm hearing is that Mercedes is kind of worried so they're going to try to do things like this so they can keep it now mm-hmm. are they going to you know do they want to win the championship yes that would be good they want to win the construct- constructors and containing their dominance, I'm sure Hamilton does. But Hamilton also set a, a, a record for leading the most laps. So Hamilton with this career is going well. And one final point, think of this. Hamilton, and now you have Mick Schumacher, who's related to Michael Schumacher, 
Yeah, it's his son. His son racing. Mm -hmm. So you you just got to think. I I just want to know what Michael Schumacher's thinking, seeing Lewis Hamilton just knock down his records. It's 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 amazing. It's like Hank Aaron knocking off Babe Ruth's home run record. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a great season. So it'll be good. Yep, Um, greatness begets greatness in different generations. Yes. But um, I will say this, just looking at this, uh, you know, you were talking about Mick Schumacher. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be breaking any records anytime soon, uh, driving for the, the Eurocali Haas team. Uh, we talked about this last year, mm-hmm. um, about the need for Haas to turn it around after an absolute disaster of a 2020 campaign. And th- the results here do not inspire much hope for them uh, in well, 2021. Well, put, but remember what his father did. His father didn't start out with the best teams either. That is true. But so, um, uh, Schumacher's got to, you know, prove his mettle and, um, you know, what looks like, you know, you know, some not very fast cars. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, definitely the future is bright for him. Um, you know, speaking of, of um, you know, other other teams that needed to, turn it around um you know i'm looking at leclerc and carlos signs mm-hmm. um you know who uh finished sixth and eighth respectively for scuderia ferrari yes and they were a team as well that needed to write the ship after a rough 2020 for them as well um you know well, sixth and eighth you know is not you know ferrari caliber that we you know have come to know from past years but um it's it's better than where they were and david you talked about them going to imola um Mm -hmm. you know here in the next uh week i think and you know that um you know that's their home territory and we'll see what they do there but um you know it, it looks like at least some progress has been made most certainly they're still far from being the the top team yeah Almost certainly. We'll we'll see how they do this year as well. But with that said, we've got to bring the car back to the garage. We have to get ready for our spotlight segment. And we've got a, a word about our social media and how you can listen to this podcast. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Your content is what helps drive our show. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, join the conversation. Join our Facebook page at From Checker to Green Podcast or join us on Twitter. There are a particular segment you enjoy? Let us know. Particular topic you'd like us to cover? Tell us about it. It's your feedback that helps us create content and keep the podcast the quality that it is. And if you're enjoying this episode, Feel free to listen to the rest of our episodes. You can find them on podcasts.com or on Apple Podcasts at From Checker to Green Podcast. Hope to hear from you soon. And now back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. So our spotlight segment for 
this episode focuses on, on uh, two different pieces. Um, the first is the effect of the new NFL schedule um, and them going to 17 games and how that plays in with the NASCAR schedule and the Daytona 500 in particular in 2022. Um, so that's part one. And then we're going to also look at um, uh, the, of the effect of Watkins Glen getting back-to-back IMSA races in 2021 as well. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, uh, let's talk football and let's talk NASCAR and let's talk about um, how they're going to interact with each other in 2022. Uh, David, you want to start us off? Yes, yes. So I have an article from the, the sporting news here. Um, so if um, I, uh, by Jordan Greer on March 30th. So, um, you know, if any of us are and, and you know, we're all avid, you know, football fans, we, we you know, we, we've got the teams that are like, you know, Elliot's Patriots, Ryan Adder, the Bills, you know, good rivalry there, but, um, you know, the NFL was talking about expanding to 17 games. It's been talked for a while. And so it, it was proposed and it was brought up, it, it was brought up to the owners and they agreed. They said, yes, we're going to have the 17th game take a game away from the preseason and all that. So here's what it is. And this is what um, Jordan Greer said on the sporting news about this. So, and and this is where it's going to come into play with NASCAR. So here's what the NFL is doing. They're going 17 games, no extra by week across 18 weekends for the regular season. The first regular season game is September 9th. The last is January 9th, 2022. Wild card weekend is going to be January 15th through January 17th. And then, um, and then you get the next round, you get the divisional, you get the championship, you get the Pro Bowl on February 6th. And Super Bowl 56, which was originally scheduled for February 6th, goes to February 13th. Why is this important to NASCAR and the Daytona 500? Well, in recent, his- in, in recent years, the Daytona 500 has always been a week after the Super Bowl. Uh, February 14th this year, Super Bowl was February 7th. Go back the year before, it was Super Bowl, Daytona 500. Super Bowl, Daytona 500. Used to be two weeks until they moved to Super Bowl of February, and, and that's where you know it stood. Gentlemen, with the changes of the NASCAR schedule that's happening, which what we've seen this year, the, the um, kind of the condensing of schedules, what they learned through COVID, what they've applied to it in 2020, what they've applied to 2021. What, what's your, what do you think they're going to do with Daytona? 
how does Daytona 500 play for this? And how is it going to affect the NASCAR schedule? What's your thoughts? Um, Elliot, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's already been some, some talk that um, instead of the second Sunday in February, um, the 500 is going to be the third Sunday in February to avoid competing with the Super Bowl. Um, now, obviously, there's some other parts of speed weeks that um, will kind of overlap um, the, uh, the Super Bowl weekend as well. Um, but that is, I think that'll be the clash um, and maybe qualifying as well. And I think most of those things will be done before, um, you know, the, the Super Bowl itself. So um, I don't foresee it being much of a problem. Um, if that means that they need to condense the schedule a little bit such that um, they're not running the last race past, say, Thanksgiving or whatever, um, then, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, double headers before. I think they did a, uh, they're, um, you know, we've done double headers at Pocono. I think they're going to do, uh, they did one at, um, at Dover last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they did one, um, uh, you know, I mean, we had back-to-back weekends at Daytona, uh, the 500, and then they came back for the road course here earlier this year. So um, if need be, then, you know, I say, why not do a Wednesday night race? Um, so, you know, especially if it's going to be somewhere where it won't be, you know, too much of a, of a heavy burden logistically for the teams. So I, I, so I like that. I, 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 I see what you mean. And, and they experimented with that, with one speed week this year. Um, and I'll get to a point in a moment about that. Ryan, your quick thoughts on or your thoughts on it before I get to my point? Two points, two small points. One, they're smart to still keep the race after the Super Bowl because if they tried to compete with that, they would not win that. And they don't mean any detriments at this time. No. And two, as you pointed out, Elliot, a midweek race, maybe even a couple of them, depending on how they have to adjust the schedule, would be a very smart idea as long as it can be done logistically. And there's not a whole lot sport-wise that goes on midweek, so there wouldn't be a lot for them to really compete with. And I think that would help them in the long run. Yes. Um, you probably will have, have uh, baseball to compete with uh, during the summer. But, um, you know, if you don't have too many marquee games – then, you know, depending, uh, uh, you know, depending on the, on the, the baseball schedule that evening, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could definitely see that working. So I, you know, my, my thought about it is, is if they move it to the one, you know, they move it to the week after you do a shorter speed week, which I think would be good. The, the other thing they, um, you know, they could look at is if they're concerned about this whole condensing down the race and, and we know um, NBC's going to have the Super Bowl the, next year is where do, maybe NASCAR 
or or maybe NASCAR can say, listen, we have to push our thing back one week. You guys have a you guys have a um NFL your NFL season starts it is going to start September. You know, you're going to push us back. The season's always going to start around September 9th. You, you know, maybe they go and, you know, maybe NASCAR says, okay, we're going to, we're going to start doing some more double headers, but maybe that causes a reduction in some schedules. So they don't have to push it to Thanksgiving, but um, I I think most certainly you're gonna get a you're gonna get a single speed week. And part of me wonders if the test of single speed week this year was in anticipation of this happening. Maybe, but you know. I, I, I agree. Don't compete with the Super Bowl, most certainly. But would it hurt if the Super Bowl was in Miami one year and NASCAR said, hey, you guys do the Super Bowl on the Sunday. We're going to get the Saturday night. What if they pulled that off, knowing that people always want a Super Bowl on the Saturday, but Daytona ends up being a Saturday night race to kick off the season? That would be a a major change um, from tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite frankly... I don't know if the sport's ready for that. Um, you know, it's not without precedent also that, um, you know, they've, they've had other races that formally start the season before Daytona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Riverside was, uh, was that race. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that precedent has been there. So my thought is if you're going to do that, do that with, with a track like a homestead, right? Yeah. Um, now, if you've got the Super Bowl in Could- Miami, well, then, you know, that's, you're probably going to run into some, some issues there logistically. But, um, uh, but you know, if, if, um, if that's going to happen, um, the sport could do a lot worse in terms of um, first races outside of Daytona than homestead. Well, what if they ran like a an exhibition race like the Clash or that or or something at Daytona the night before just, uh, you know, promote Daytona going on. But I mean, I, I, I think what I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of worried about them pushing it back a week and. You know, is that going to make them push back into Thanksgiving? You know, do they do double headers? I mean, the NFL really just put 
I mean, I, I know the NFL doesn't want to interfere with college football, but you have people who are associated with NASCAR, i.e. Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's a fan of Washington and loves football, you know, you know, could the NFL turn off some fans by saying, you know, you know, it's been a, it's like indie. It's been a tradition. The second weekend is always Daytona. Mm -hmm. Always been Daytona. So what, I mean, are you going, are, are you really going to risk losing some diehard fan? You know, could you risk losing diehard fans by pushing it another week? Could, could you know, what, you know, it, it could hurt them. It, it, you know, and we don't know what NASCAR's position on it is yet. Um, and, and what the schedule will be because we won't know until like June, July when that fit when that schedule comes out but I just I I just don't I I don't know if anything now it could also be the NFL's buying off more than they can chew and this may blow up in their face <laughs> um, you know you have a strong players union but I I, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I I think the week after would be good, or you know what? If the, if they're gonna if they're gonna say we're gonna do it the second weekend, we'll do it the weekend before. Who the heck watches the Pro Bowl? I gotta admit, Dave, that was actually the point that I was gonna gonna make. Is they could easily put the slot race slot the race that weekend because. Statistically, especially if you look over the last five, six seasons, mm -hmm. the Pro Bowl has been the least viewed game of any NFL game. And those numbers have progressively gotten lower each season because, you know, to diehard football fans out there, you know, please don't burn me at the stake for this. The game doesn't matter. Sorry, I got to say it because I believe that that game does not matter. So if they wanted to run Daytona that weekend, they would not lose a single viewer, in my opinion. Ryan, that's a good point. Um, you know, and, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, the Pro Bowl. Um, I think it goes to show how important that game really is when, um, you know, a fair number of the people who are invited to it don't play. So what's yeah. that say? Um, you know, it's like being... Um, invited to partake in the all-star race um you know the winston for you know those of us who remember that back that far um and having the team and having the car to do it but just not doing it um you know and it, it, as, it, as we've come to know if you have a car and you have a team and you can run that race you run it yeah right that yeah, I, I, I agree with that point. I, I mean, you, you hit down the, uh, you hit it right on the head, you know, that's like, so, you know, that's like a Kurt Busch or a, um, 
or Kyle Bush or a, a Chase Elliott or some or Hendricks saying, Yeah, you know what? I gotta rest my guys for the all-star race. You know, it, it's a more grueling race. We're not gonna partake in the all-star race. You know, it, it's but they do. And um, you know, I you know, it, it's I, I'd like to see where NASCAR goes with this. Um, yeah, because you talk about, you know, okay, do we run the 500 the weekend before? Well, that could work with the schedule. Okay, so you've got the, you've got the Super Bowl on Sunday, right? Sunday evening. So, okay, you run the 500, um, you know, that, uh, that Sunday, you know, the Sunday before. Maybe you run the Daytona road course on Wednesday or maybe even a Saturday night. Do, the, do a Saturday night race for that one. Um, you know, don't run that in the afternoon. We know how that, how that works out. Um, most times. Um, yeah. And, you know, heaven forbid it gets, you know, gets rained out, um, you know, it rains too bad. Then just run it first thing Sunday morning, run it at 10 AM. That's how they used to run all the, uh, the rain out dates previously, you know, get it done, get out of there, let the Super Bowl do their thing and then proceed from there. But to your point, there's opportunities out there um, to be able to run a race, um, you know, and be able to run the Daytona 500 in a responsible way, um, you know, via their um, vis-a-vis their ratings and and um, and interest, um, yeah. and still be able to accommodate the uh, the Super Bowl being moved back a week, you know. And you talk about, uh, you know. Uh, Ryan, you talked about the, um, you know, this move potentially not working out well for the NFL. Um, you know, you talk about, I think it was, um, they're not going to have any more bye weeks and they're going to add a game. Um, and so, you know, how does that bode well, you know, or not for player safety, um, you know, and how many players get hurt? Um, you know, when you've got, you know, when you add, you know, Proverbially speaking, you add one more race to the calendar, and you don't have any uh, any more off weeks in between. Um, you know, the by the end of the season, uh, you know the the quality of cars that are coming out, uh, you know, are probably not going to be, you know, as good as you know in that extra race as they were the the race before, right? Yeah. It, it, well, and, and here's one other here's one other point. You know, now the NFL just signed that big, you know, that big TV contract. Mm-hmm. Well, what's coming up in a few years? The NASCAR contracts with Fox and NBC. Mm-hmm. Well, who hosts the Super Bowl? NBC and Fox, you know, and, and eventually ABC will too. But who says that NASCAR doesn't go to them and say, listen, you guys got a big NFL deal. You're doing the Super Bowl, which would have been Daytona 500. We had to push our schedule back. We want that week before. We want the week before. And if you're going to do it, if you're, you're going to say no to it, and you're not going to pour the money into it, Considering NASCAR is going on a grassroots racing and, and try and get their fans back and, and get 
getting new fans and and trying to rekindle everything and get it going. Who says somebody like an ESPN or even a CBS comes around and says, hey, or yeah, let's take CBS and says, hey, we will we would love to put the Daytona 500 the week before a Super Bowl, especially when we're going to have it and air it because we will that we can we can bill for the Super Bowl. We can bill for the for the Daytona 500. We when the Masters plays, we can bill for the Daytona 500. We'll we'll do that. We'll bill for you guys during March Madness. You know, if I'm Phelps and France, I may I may have a a um, ace in my hand here that um, you know that I may not show, and I may use it as as leverage to get what I want. And if I don't, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And, and, you know, you let them call your bluff, you know, let, let them try to call your bluff and you walk away. Um, it would be um, a rare moment, I think, where um, NASCAR leadership would have an ace in their hand or an ace up their sleeve um, when dealing with the TV networks. Um, I think in recent years here, I think it's been um, kind of the TV networks kind of giving their edicts to, um, to NASCAR as to what they want them to do. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the um, pandemic and everything, you know, has made it so that um, everybody's just, trying to get a race, um, together, you know, and be able to, to go racing at all. Um, but the fact that, um, the networks are saying, we want to bring qualifying back. We want to bring practices back. Um, and, you know, NASCAR saying, listen, as soon as we get, you know, clearance to do that and, you know, it's, it's safe, then we're gonna, um, you know, I think that that kind of speaks, um, in, in other ways too. Um, kind of speaks to the 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 pull that the markets excuse me that the networks have on nascar as opposed to the pull nascar has on the networks um i think it's definitely more the former than the latter um but um you know we'll see what happens going forward um you know there's there's certainly um uh you know there's certainly other places for nascar to land um and you know i read um, you know, referencing part one um, of our episode earlier, um, I believe the NHRA signed a, a big uh, deal with Fox not long ago as well. So um, Fox is continue in particular is continuing to build um, their sport broadcasting portfolio and their motorsport bro- uh, broadcasting portfolio in particular. So, you know, at what point do they start getting a, you know, um, a little bit full and need to think about pairing back a little bit too. So, yeah. you know, there's all of that too, but um, I, I don't foresee um, 
uh, NASCAR brass holding anything over the networks anytime soon, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, most certainly. So the, the other thing that um, has come up that we need to discuss is because of COVID and it's kind of been, uh, it's kind of probably going to be the theme throughout the year is races changing here and there. And we, we know it might happen with IndyCar with Toronto. We're waiting for a word on that. But IMSA just announced um, their race in Canada at the Canadian Tire Most Motorsports Park is going to be moved to Watkins Glen. So uh, the last weekend in June and July 4th weekend, IMSA is rolling at the Glen. Six hours of the Glen, which was the normal scheduled event. Now they got July 4th, the IMSA WeatherTech 240. What a way to kick off Independence State in Watkins Glen. It's going to be a two-hour and 40-minute race featuring um, DPI LMP2, LMP3, GT Le Mans, and GTD. Um, this is because of COVID. Um, Michael Pintra, uh, IMSA, did say state in this that they're grateful for Watkins Glen to hosting this. Um, you know, the Watkins Glen race was last was missed last year. It was canceled because of COVID. Now it's going to be, um, they got two races. I think it's really great. It's going to be a great racing, a double weekend for them. Great sports car racing down there. Gentlemen, quick thoughts on that. This is a, um, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about, in this case, making lemonade out of lemons, Right. Uh, because, you know, nobody wants to see a race weekend get moved, um, you know, because of, of COVID, um, you know, or any other problem. Um, so, you know, this is, while it's not good um, for the IMSA season, um, and it's definitely not good for um, uh, Mosport, you know, which is a great racetrack, um, um, it's... It is, um, you know, some good news for the greater Watkins Glen area and the Finger Lakes there of, uh, of central New York in that you have um, this multi-day um, racing event now because um, this is um, according to an article from Phil Alloway on frontstretch.com. Um, the reason why they're running the uh, moved... Um, race from uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park on the Thursday and Friday of that Independence Day weekend. Uh, they're going to run all three races on Friday. Um, it's because the SCCA um, has a race weekend set for uh, the Glen on the Independence Day weekend itself. Um, so there's, there's that, um, Alloway also notes that 
NASCAR is hosting a race at Road America. Um, and so um, even though the, uh, um, uh, so they're, they're kind of working this race in amongst a whole bunch of other things. Um, but, you know, with that said, in terms of the area itself, uh, we got to remember, this is an area that um, was pretty much left out of, of racing entirely last year because of the pandemic. Um, and it was a huge hit for them uh, financially, uh, for that area, for all the, the, the businesses up there. Um, and um, according to um, an article on mytwintiers.com, by Ryan Ruff, uh, they talk about uh, the IMSA weekend um, having a um, an economic impact uh, in the millions there. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you know they'll see the full positive impact of you know bringing the um, uh, the IMSA cars to the Glen, um, you know, in in this compact way like this. Um, is you know a matter of question and probably a, a somewhat skeptical because I question whether or not they're going to have a hundred percent capacity um, of fans. It, it, it'll probably, extent. from what I'm understanding, it, it may be twenty percent. That's what the um, guidelines right now have been set for outdoor venues in New York State. Mm -hmm. So if it's twenty percent of fans. Yeah, that, that I mean, it, it's not a lot, but 20% fans in that area is He's going to, it, it, it's going to help with any business. Yes. The wineries down there, the, the, the town of Watkins Glen, Geneva, that yep. that's just going to be money put in, especially Geneva when. Robert Irvine just redid a, a restaurant on Restaurant Impossible. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they're going to, I think anything is going to be welcome with that. Yeah. Ryan, um, before we hit break, your quick, quick thoughts on that? Well, to add to the uh, speak, speaking about uh, capacity, last reports that I've heard is that if the uh, vaccine rollout continues as is projected in New York State. By June, they want to have uh, outdoor capacity for any venue up to potentially 50%. So, so more huge. Now, mind you, we're early April, so that's still nothing further than speculation. But that is the current projection as of the last I've heard of it. So if we can make that work, that would definitely be a marked improvement over 20% and we can only hope. Yeah. Most certainly. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see about it and, you know, knock on wood that, you know, nothing else happens, but um, I, I think if you're right, Elliot, I mean, if they, you know, they make glum, you know, they, they made, lemonade out of lemons and i i you know we'll, we'll definitely have to see it'll be interesting to see what the financial impact will be with a double weekend is in, in that region and then see what it does when they have the cup race so
Because of right yep. now, we're all just thinking positive thoughts. Yes. Amen. Yep. Here's to more and more people being able to enjoy motorsports this year. Here, here. And right quick. Indeed. So with that, um, we're actually going to go, speaking of, um, of businesses that uh, um, enjoy off-road racing, we're going to uh, plug one that um, uh, we uh, enjoy and uh, like to shout out to our listeners as well. So Ryan's going to talk some more, uh, talk a little bit about them. And on the other side, we're going to go green. This is from Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to give your business an identity to help it stand out amongst your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the savvy and the resources to give your business an identity that'll make you not only stand out from your competitors, but give you the wow factor that your customers are really looking for. From logo design, to business cards, to letterheads, or any other service that you would need, Samurai Graphics has what it takes. If you're interested, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Welcome back, race fans. The green flag is out, and we have some exciting racing. We talked about Marnesville in part one. Well, the dirt track at Bristol is still seeing action, and this weekend, it's the World of Outlaws Bristol Bash. With the, with the Morin Buildings World of Outlaws Late Miles. And it's a 10 grand to win. Um, it's the World of Outlaw Late Mile Series and the Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. Um, a little bit different about this event. Normally, you have um, many drivers, especially at a, a big event. That's paying twenty five grand to the winner for the feature um, on Saturday night, and um, ten grand on Friday. So you get a chance to win thirty five grand. Normally, um, you have people from all over the country coming. Well, uh, World Racing Group and the World of Outlaws decided to do something different and they had to cap it. It was invite only. It was invitation only. They came through a list. They went through it, picked the drivers and sent out invitations. And the reason they did this, it wasn't because they're running on Bristol and banked i mean the tracks 19 degrees banking with dirt and instead of the 36 degree banking um what they did for these dirt events and next week with the world of outlaw spring cars or in a couple weeks with the world of outlaw spring cars um the reason they capped it is because of the infield they said last time they were there they had so many cars that they had to get them in on the track, get the cars on the outside in the track. And it took a lot of time to open the gate, close the gate, get the cars in, get them going. 
So they just wanted to make it easy so everyone could pit in the infield. But it's a 40-lap race each night. Ten grand to win on the first on Friday. Twenty-five to grand to win. Uh, UMP dirt UMP modifieds have five grand Friday. Ten grand to win. Twenty lap features. Um, some information about this, how the event format goes down. If they had uh, what um, one to twenty entries. Um, all the cars transferred, but if they got up to 47 entries, they had to do AB group qualifying, four heats, top four transfer, top two redraw from each heat. Um, I think they capped it at 40, so this is what it's coming. And the two last chance showdowns and top three transfer. The nice thing is if you were in the uh, LCS um, race and you made the feature you got 110 bucks in tow money no matter where you finish but um, one of the higher paying events here and hey late miles on dirt and they were testing it and I think they, I think it's going to be some good racing guys what you, what do you think I think it's going to be some amazing racing as well. The fact that, um, you know, it's uh, invite only, um, you know, they're, um, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be some good drivers, some good teams. Um, you know, you've got, um, so according to Bristol Motor Speedway, I think they've got um, 40 late model, 42 yeah. modified. Um, it's, um, you know, in these, these cars, they, they, you know, love racing close to each other. Um, and, uh, you know, it's Bristol baby. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. I, 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 um, I think the one neat thing is, um, and I, I forgot to put this in, um, you can, you can get dirt vision. They're on dirt vision. Um, it is almost, um, I, I think it's over 200 bucks for the whole season or 40 or equivalent 40 bucks a month um they, they have an ultimate pass which is almost like 300 you know almost 300 bucks but they also have a 40 buck a month subscription however if it, it's free to sign up they put them in a vault the week after so you can watch this race for free a week after it happens. So if you don't want to shell the money out, sign up for free on Dirt Vision and watch it. They actually have an app now, Dirt, uh, Dirt Vision, so you can watch it on your phone. Um, I think it's also on Roku, so you can watch it on Roku. Um, that's how I'm probably going to end up watching this uh, a week later just to see how it is, but... Ryan, uh, your thoughts? Oh, I'm looking forward to this, as I usually do, because dirt racing at Bristol, enough said. Yeah. And, What's not to love? And and one other difference, you guys think about it. These guys can run in on tracks that when it rains. So, um, 
you know, not like with the cup guys, you know, the, these guys can really, really do it. And you're going to see these guys crank out some fast laps. Yeah. Indeed you will, because they are drivers without fear. Yep. Oh, yes. Yep. And there's a lot of banking there. So, yeah, they're, they're, they going to get with it. Oh, yeah. It, it, anything from practice definitely showed that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be some good racing. So with that said, we've got some final thoughts here. And with Darlington getting two races, they decided to uh, to move their throwback weekend to May. Mother's Day uh, in May, which is Mother's Day weekend. And so we know if any, any of our listeners have watched it, and I know we've watched it, when they started the throwback weekend, they started out with throwback schemes. Well, in September, it, it took time for teams to come up, but now you're starting to see schemes come out more. And, um, you know, the ones that have been released so far, Chase Elliott, his scheme is the Alan Kowicki throwback, just like what he had with the Hooters, the, the color. Underbird. The, yeah, yep. the Underbird. Um, Joey Logano announced today um, Mario and Dre, and this is kind of a bad theme with him doing a Mario and Dre, but this is Mario's first Formula One win. Um, in 1971 and then Josh Berry I love it I've got the die cast of this when Dale Earnhardt ran it the all-star game scheme um, Mm -hmm. in 2001 you've got um, you've got BJ McLeod doing um, most sports doing a scheme to uh ryan's ryan ellis Ryan Ellis' grandfather vic ellis his Mm -hmm. sprint car and then this one i i love it great tribute austin hill in the truck to mike stefanik yeah gentlemen i love this because I love the old schemes, I'm a sucker for the vintage racing. I've said it. I love the throwbacks. Just like in, in, in sports when teams do the throwback uniforms. Mm-hmm. Guys, I, I know it's a few schemes, but let's quickly say it. L- let's just say which scheme, which driver, and which scheme would you like them to see? I know which one I want to see. Um, and they, uh, ran another one of my personal faves last year. Um, Hemmer did in the a car. Um, and that was the famous purple and orange, uh, little Caesar scheme from 1995 and 96 with John Andretti. Um, that was one of my all time, uh, personal favorites growing up. Um, and the, the, one that I want to see in some form or fashion 
because if we're getting into the early 2000s, you know, or the, the 1990s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, then we can't, you know, be looking at all of these different drivers and not looking at Jeremy Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, um, I've been a Jeremy Mayfield fan for 25 years now. Um, and I've spent a lot of time with him um, and his family and his race team in all different environments over the years. Um, I can tell you that from that time and just from simple deductive reasoning that the negative connotations uh, that are said about him, you know, and that have been said about him over the last 12 years or so are not accurate at all. And, you know, I know this isn't really the, the, uh, the podcast to delve into this in any major detail, but um, I'll simply say that um, I hope the, the record about him is corrected and soon because it needs to be corrected. Um, and my hope is that somebody will pay tribute to some of the amazing paint schemes uh, that he's run in his career, and especially in the late 90s, um, with not only with Cranifus Haas, the 37 Kmart RC Cola scheme, uh, which was an iconic paint scheme unto itself, um, but all of the Mobile One schemes he ran uh, with Penske in uh, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, even. Um, you know, those are, um, you know, some of the special edition schemes he ran. The Kentucky Derby scheme from 1999 um, is one of my favorites to this day. Um, the 125th anniversary Mobile One scheme he ran late in the 99th season uh, is another iconic scheme. Uh, his 98 and 99, just as regular Mobile One scheme, is a um, is an incredible paint paint job itself too, uh, just in its its beauty and its efficiency. I'd love to see somebody um, throw back to it. Um, Jeremy himself actually threw back um, to his mobile one scheme um, in his uh, in his dirt car last year, and it was a thing of beauty. Um, and I'd love to see um, uh, one of his paint schemes get taken for a ride again at Darlington. Ryan, your thoughts? Might be reaching a little bit, but there's one paint scheme that's always had a special place in my heart, and I'd really like to see it thrown back. That would be Cale Yarbrough's number 11, Holly Farms, the white and gold. I don't know why, but that one always stuck with me. I just, I like it. I always liked it. I wouldn't mind seeing it go around the track one more time. There is, um, there is one scheme that I'd, I'd like to see. And you're actually starting to see it in IndyCar with the Indy 500 and what, um, AJ Foyt did for J.R. Hildebrand and threw back to the 1961 scheme. I think Tony Stewart needs to, for the number 14, throw it back to the 1977 Indy 500 scheme that AJ Foyt had with the actual G Gilmore, the, the G and the 14 in it for the numbers. That color, I have, I, I've seen that. I actually saw that car up close 
a, a few years ago in an exhibit, uh, in a touring exhibit. That car, I have the diecast of that car. I I think that would be a really cool scheme to to throw back to. It is that one for um, for Stewart? I'd like to see that. That sounds like a really special paint scheme. And Indeed. Yep. That would be really cool to see on the track again. Yeah. Um, I think with some of the early offerings here, um, you know, that uh, it would not put it past me to see that. Um, so there's a lot of tributes of, um, you know, some really cool drivers from, from the past, uh, some of whom were no longer with us. Yeah. Um, so um, maybe the, that one's in the cards this year. We'll see. Yeah, and, and even um, and and I just I mean, um, I mean, th- there's going to be a lot more coming out. Um, but I I think there's definitely some some really cool paint schemes they can throw it back to. Um, but yeah, we we'll see what what comes out. But hey, it's Darlington Throw Pack, and it's always cool to watch the paint schemes roll out. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Speaking of rolling out, I think it's time for us to roll out too, and uh, it's time for us to go racing. So uh, this has been an excellent part two, um, and we appreciate everybody listening. And um, we'll we'll catch y'all on episode number fifteen uh, when uh, we'll be talking about Martinsville. Uh, be talking about uh, the world of outlaws here um, and uh, previewing a whole lot of, a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, um, in the coming weeks. Uh, F1 gets going again in Imola um, and uh, um, you know, we get into uh, you know, the mid April stretch here in, uh, in NASCAR and, and uh, NHRA as well. So a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, but for now, uh, my name is Elliot Tardif and thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode i'm david moy thank you for listening we'd love to hear your feedback and continue supporting this episode by listening to it and you can listen to our other episodes have a good evening and this is ryan colpeck we appreciate everyone who listens to our show thank you as always and we'll catch you on the next round Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast.